Folks, welcome into Free Money Football. I am your host, Ty B. We got Meerkat and some guy named Steve here joining me. We're going to be breaking down the best bets, the best way to make some money here, betting on the AFC and NFC West divisions throughout the season. We're not just looking at, hey, what's happening in week one? Hey, what's who's going to win the division? No, it's a little bit of everything. We're looking at player props, and we're giving you some numbers to back everything up so you have a great insight on what's going on in this division. But first, boys, how's it going? We're getting into the nitty-gritty now of preseason, a full week under our belts. How are you feeling, Steve? I'm feeling really good. It's starting to get towards that season where all I'm doing in my free time is looking at football, whether it's fantasy football or whether it's just looking at teams who I think, you know, have promised to get to the Super Bowl this year. I've just been looking at it constantly. I have all my fantasy league drafts lined up and scheduled now. I got all the teams I love. I have a whole list I've marked of all props. I'm looking to hammer once, you know, the time comes. I'm excited, Ty. I'm like a kid on Christmas right now. I just can't wait for opening day. Yeah, there's a lot of Christmas evening nights then for you, which is going to be very, (laughs) very tough. Uh, You're not going to be getting very much sleep, Steve, which is a good thing for all the listeners because that means he's just going to be getting you a ton of information, a ton of numbers to back all of this stuff up. And hopefully we're going to be making everybody a ton of money throughout the season. But Meerkat, for you, you just got off the cap a little bit earlier. Bill season's getting closer and closer. Season opener. You can almost smell the opening tailgate there in Orchard Park. How you feeling? Yeah. Oh, man. Get me to September 12th right now. I can't wait for it. Just football in general. Like Stevie, I've been just doing so many drafts and stuff, not just with random people, you know, like entering paid leagues through an app and just, hey, I, I just want to draft. The other day I was just laying in bed bored and I did like three straight for two hours. I'm like, all right, get me to football season. And I can't wait to start gambling on them. I can't wait to start gambling on the pills and what, just watching football in general. Preseason's been a breath of fresh air for me. So we're almost there, boys, and I can't wait to get into it. And that's why we got the futures for you guys right now. You can't wait for the season to start banging on the games and get your futures in, and that's what we're here to help you with. Absolutely, and let's get it started right here. We're going to start with the AFC West, and we're going to go alphabetical yet again. So that means we're going to get it started with the team yet again who has a young quarterback with some questions. We're seeing a lot of that throughout the NFL this year, a lot of big make-or-break years. Things have been trending pretty well in the uh, preseason so far for him. How are things going to work out for Drew Locke and the Denver Broncos? So coming into the season, the Packers, it's the last dance for Drew Locke and the Broncos. It's the last chance. This is Drew Locke's final year where he has a chance to prove he can be an NFL starting caliber quarterback because he has a great team around him. And I kind of love all the additions the Broncos made in this offseason. There's no team in the NFL who made better moves to their secondary than the Broncos did. They went up and got Kyle Fuller, who I think is one of the best corners in the NFL, a good slot corner in Ronald Darby. And then they drafted Patrick Sertain, who it was out of Alabama, who people have been raving about. It's a really good secondary. And oh, by the way, in the front seven, they got Von Miller back. He'll be back this year, and that'll really boost their defensive line. It'll really boost Bradley Chubb, who I'll talk about later. But it comes down to the most important position in football, and that's the quarterback. It has been a tough 
tough couple of years in that department for the Denver Broncos. And it's all, you know, credit to Drew Locke, who's been terrible. 49% of his passes he threw last year, over 15 yards, were catchable. More than half were not. He has been really bad, and he's got good weapons around him. Cortland Sutton's coming back this year, who's a legitimate number one wide receiver. You have Jerry Judy, who did have a lot of drops and disappointing rookie year, but he has all the talent in the world. We saw that when he played at Alabama. And then you've got Noah Fant, an extremely athletic tight end. Drew Locke has the weapons around him. They drafted Javante Williams out of North Carolina, who was one of the best backs last year in college football. And the Broncos, they have talent, but their offensive line, not, not the best in the world. Sixth most pressures allowed last year. And it doesn't help when you have a quarterback who's inaccurate to begin with. And now he has a bad offensive line in front of him. I'm curious to see how long Drew Locke stays as the starting quarterback for the Broncos because Teddy Bridgewater, Mr. Steady Eddie, as I like to call him, is his backup. And although he's not flashy, he's consistent and he has a good completion percentage. He, he's very accurate, the complete opposite of Drew Locke. The over-under right now is sitting at 8.5. I believe it's minus 120 to take the over, plus money at, or even money to take the under 8.5. And, and I am leaning the under, guys. I know the Broncos have or should have a really good defense this year. They should get a lot of pressure in their secondaries elite. But I just can't convince myself that Drew Locke's going to get this team a winning record. And if he wins the starting job, which I think he will, he's been playing okay so far in the preseason, it means in order for him to lose the starting job, the Broncos are going to have to play poorly for Teddy Bridgewater to come in. That's why I like the under eight and a half. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In this one, it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out. And you see they're putting the right tools around Drew Locke. Yeah. Can he find them on a consistent basis? Um, he's shown that he has, uh, quote unquote, the moxie. <laughs> he he can do it in those you know short spurts like he can be a starting quarterback and he can dance and you know he's got the energy he can do all that but can he win on a consistent basis on Sundays for an NFL team this is the year we're really going to see it out of him and it, I think this line is is one of these other ones that's dead on for this team because you know there's there's no eight and eight anymore it's you know you're either a above 500 or below 500. And I think that's right where the Broncos are. And with this division being so tough, I think I'm also going to lean the under just because I don't think we've seen enough consistency out of Drew Locke. Although I'm not going to close the door completely on him. I think he still has the tools to do it, Meerkat. Yeah, so is Drew Locke even going to be the week one starter for sure? They haven't named the starter yeah, yet. They're leaving true. it open. They signed Teddy Bridgewater. They yeah. gave him pretty decent money to come <laughs> in right now and compete with Drew Locke. And Stevie brought it up. He's the opposite of Drew Locke. You're not going to get the home run kind of deep ball threat you'll get with Drew Locke. But Drew Locke's not completing those. Teddy Bridgewater is safe. He'll manage the game for you. And with that offense, that might be enough for them. But still, I don't trust them to do the right thing. I don't trust John Elway. I'm sure he's pulling the strings with the quarterback situation somehow. I don't trust that. And so I'm going to take the under. I think it's a good value at plus 100. I think the AFC West is going to be pretty strong this year. And I think there's a good chance the Broncos, with all the talent they have, 
are going to finish last in this division again because of their quarterback situation, whether they start with Drew Locke and switch to Teddy Bridgewater and start switching back and forth or whatever it is. I don't trust a team with a shaky quarterback situation. Eight and a half, even in a 17-game schedule, is a big number for a team coming off five wins in a tough division. Yep, absolutely. And I think, you know, adding another guy in the backfield like Javante Williams is a very interesting move because he's a guy who can catch the ball a little bit out of the backfield, not, uh, you know, Travis Etienne level, but he can still do it a bit. And, um, you know, they've had a real up and down rushing game. It's not that you need, you know, an elite tier running game. Um, but you need just enough to be able to take the edge off of the quarterback, um, you know, just so that teams aren't just completely sitting on the passer, know when to pin their ears back to rush the passer. So if you can do that on a consistent basis for a guy like Drew Locke, if he has progressed, we've seen now Josh Allen is sort of that blueprint. Guys can progress. They can get better. Um it can be done. I just don't know if Drew Locke's going to be the one to do it, but he does have the weapons around him to do it this season. Yeah, you yeah. brought up – oh, sorry, Stevie. No, go ahead, uh, Mecca. You, you brought up Javante Williams going into my player prop. I like Javante Williams this year. I liked him in fantasy and stuff. I think he's being overvalued. So I'm taking his under 800.5 rushing yards for my prop, minus 120 there. Not that I don't like him, but that's a huge number for a rookie running back coming into an offense with a shaky situation, a bad offensive line. And it's not like Melvin Gordon was bad last year. Sure, he's a shell of his former self, and he's aging, but he still averaged 4.6 and had 986 yards last year. Williams is probably going to be splitting carries, and this line's not good. I just think 800 is a huge number in this situation for him, so that's what I'm going with with my under. You know, a lot of the receivers, I like their overs, but without knowing who the QB is going to be, I'm avoiding most stuff on this offense. So I think a nice under here is what I'm sticking with. Yeah, I like that a lot, Meerkat. I think you kind of touched on it. There's a lot of question marks on this offense, and that's why for my player prop, I'm going the other side of the ball. I'm going the defense. And mm-hmm. I talked about him a little bit earlier. I'm taking Bradley Chubb over eight and a half sacks at minus 110. He carried this defensive line on his back last year, had 31% of all team pressures, and Von Miller's back. And what we know when Von Miller's back, he's going to get a lot of attention. And when him and Bradley Chubb played a full season together, Bradley Chubb had 12 sacks back in 2018. He had seven and a half last year. You're telling me he only needs one more sack to hit that over when he has Von Miller coming back to help him and the defense as a whole is better. Not to mention their secondary, I think, is going to be elite this year, which will also help generate more sacks, more pressure. I love Bradley Chubb over eight and a half sacks at minus 110. And if you don't trust Chubb as much of on Miller's nine and a half, but I think Chubb over eight and a half is free money. And for me, I'm going to take an absolute long shot with the Broncos here. Uh oh. If Drew Locke figures things out, I think this man here in the middle of the screen, Jerry Judy, is a huge factor in it. Jerry Judy, most receiving yards at plus 5,000. <laughs> it's a long shot, but if Drew Locke does what we a lot of people have sort of prognosticated and thought he could, you know, looking at him coming out of the draft. Um, he's got a big arm. He can do it. He can light things up there in Denver. It's a 
You know how the ball travels out there, whether it's baseball or football, whether it's kicked or thrown, that ball is going to fly. So Drew Locke could really find Jerry Judy. I think they've put enough weapons in that offense where you can't just focus in on one guy. This could be a season where you really get a big breakout for Jerry Judy. And at plus 5,000, sign me up for that. But we're on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, so all Bills fans' favorite team, the Kansas City Chiefs. They're kind of the one team right in the way of the Bills. And the Chiefs, there's no question it. They're an elite football team. Are they the best team in the NFL? That's a big question mark. And they had one, you know, I guess weakness last year, and that was their offensive line. And the Chiefs went out and they said, you know what, we're going to change it up. They don't have Mitchell Swartz anymore. They don't have Eric Fisher anymore. They went out and traded for Orlando Brown, who was one of the best tackles in the NFL. They signed Austin Blythe. They signed Joe Thune. They really retooled this entire offensive line because they want to protect Pat Mahomes. He was pressured 32% last year, and he pressured over 50% in the Super Bowl. Mahomes, if you watched the Super Bowl last year, you knew the difference in that game was just Tampa getting to him play after play after play. The Chiefs had no answer for that front seven, and they realized, you know what, we don't need to really change up our weapons. We have Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. There's not a better wide receiver tight end combo in the entire NFL, and oh yeah, Patrick Mahomes is throwing him the ball. Nicole Hardman, who I really like in college, who I think has a very high ceiling, is stepping up as their second receiver this year. And that's another guy who has world-class speed into this offense. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, his second year back in the backfield. There's no questions about the weapons. It's all about protecting Mahomes, and that's what they did. But the Chiefs also got very, very lucky last year. They were 8-1 and one in one-score games, and they had the NFL-leading 3.3 wins over-expected with only the sixth-best point differential in the NFL. It's very rare you see a team go 14-2 and two and you know only have the sixth-best point differential. Yes, the Chiefs are an elite team. Could we see regression? Possibly. But... It's really hard for me to bet against Patrick Mahomes. The number is absolutely gross. It, it's 12 and a half. The under is minus 130. So you're laying a little juice if you want to take an under. The over is plus 110. You're, I mean, getting you know plus odds to take what Vegas considers the best team in football over seems like really good value to me. But 13 and four, that's a tough season. That's a tough season to get to. However, in the three years Mahomes has been the starter for the Chiefs, they've had 14, 12, and 12 wins. They always seem to you know, play above expectations, especially their defensive line, who really doesn't seem that talented. But they had the sixth-best pressure rate last year out of all teams in the NFL. Their defense just seems to perform better than expected each year. They did lose Brashad Breland, who I think is a massive loss because he was without question their best corner this year, and their secondary is very shaky. But I can't bet against Mahomes, and when I'm getting plus money to bet that Mahomes, you know, will get to this number, I think he can. I think the Chiefs can be a 13-4 and four team. It seems like a lot of wins, but they get there every single year. 14 and 2, 12 and 4, 12 and 4. You got the best, one of the best coaches in football, Andy Reid, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, Pat Mahomes. I'm going to take the over. I don't love it because the number's so high, and an injury to Mahomes makes this bet dead, essentially, because Chad Henning's not winning 13 games. But even though they've been lucky, I'm taking the Chiefs. I think they really focused on their one big weakness, the offensive line, and I think they're going to be fine. 
and Stevie, I know, I know you're a UB guy, a UB alum, a fellow UB alum on the defensive line, Damone Harris. Shout out to my guy, former yep. time and guy as well. Um, hopefully, he'll be getting even more playing time for them in Eaton because he's made a little bit of name for himself off that squad. So hopefully, hopefully, we'll get more from him this year. But yeah, you're exactly right. Talking about this Chiefs team here, when you're looking at the number without Patrick Mahomes, that 12 and a half is. Ooh, I don't even want to talk about it. Like that's eh, that's like paper shredding, like to the max. Like that's just burn your ticket. If Mahomes just, gets hurt and you bet the over, just burn you got kindling. Yeah, you got yeah. some kindling. Start a fire. Like go to Allegheny uh, and have a good weekend away from the NFL <laughs> and the internet uh, because the Chiefs are going to lose that weekend. So um, looking at that number, it's tough. But giving me the like when you're giving me the plus value on it. I think I'm going to take it with one extra game in the season this year. Although the AFC West is going to be very, very good this year. Um, we saw last season, um, the chargers really, really pushed the chiefs to the edge last season with Justin Herbert in his first ever start. Um, I believe the Raiders beat them once and then almost beat him a second time. Um, it took some late heroics. So, um, you never know with this division, just because some of these other offenses can put up points, can that Chiefs defense um, play well enough to win that many games? Just because of the coaching pedigree with Andy Reid, I'm going to go with yes. But Meerkat, where are you leaning? Uh, so Stevie pretty much covered everything I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going with the over, just with the value, the extra game with you guys right there giving me plus value on, you know, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid's gone over eight straight years, his projected Vegas uh, preseason win total. Patrick Mahomes just wins games. His offense can outscore anybody. And then I'll just go right into my player prop then. Uh, Miko Hardman over 725 and a half receiving yards, minus 110. Stevie brought him up. He Last year I was all over him as like my big fantasy sleeper. Uh, hyping him up, and then now this year I did it again on the fantasy show. I'm back in on him. Um, I put my money where my mouth is. This is a bet I'm actually had already placed before that we are doing this now. He uh, last year he was fifth among KC pass catchers in snaps, ended up uh third in targets, though third in yards and touchdowns. And now you know, Sammy Watkins that's 527 starting receiver snaps gone. Hardman is prime for a breakout season, whether it's, you know, the number two outside guy or playing in the slot in that offense, which he's been adjusting to. All the reports out of camp are he's looking great. And, you know, me, I brought this up multiple times now. I love a talented receiver coming into, like, their third season in the league. That's what Hardman's doing. He's prime for a lot of snaps, a lot of looks, a guy who can make his own yards or, you know, just get separation and, Catch a beautiful ball from Patrick Mahomes. So another another sign, too, he's going to be used a lot. They're not having him return kicks or punts, and they said straight up it's not because he lost the job. It's because we don't want him to get hurt doing this because they must have a big yep. role prime for him. Yep, exactly. And Meerkat, I don't, I don't want to, like, steal your pick, but that was also going to be my pick. Let's go. Um, when you think about it, the way he's going to be used in this offense in a more expanded role, like – you don't want Tyreek Ty Hill taking as many hits. Like you're going to be throwing some of these bubble screens and these other gimmicky plays to Michael uh, Hardman, and he's just as fast and can break these for you know 70, 80 yard plays 
at any point in the game. And he can break the top off of a defense. He can hit you with some underneath routes. And if he continues to improve his game the way that you should under the coaching tutelage of Andy Reid and having a guy like Patrick Mahomes throwing to you where when the play breaks down, that's when he's at his best. Well, guess what? Schoolyard bullshit. Give me Cole Hardman any day in, in the as a pass receiver. I don't care about height. I don't care about anything else. Like, Just give me a guy who can get open, and he's that exact prototypical guy of a guy who just gets open. I'm not going to disagree with anything you guys said because guess what my prop is? It's Miko Hardman <laughs> over 725 and a half. I mean, if all three of us on it, just go and hammer it, folks. Yeah, I think yep. this is as free as it comes. He has a career 16.4 yards per catch, and he's only had 13 career starts in his first two seasons. He's been playing with the first team all off season. He's been playing with them in the preseason. He comes off the field when they come off the field. He's going to be the Chiefs' number two receiver, and if he's healthy, he's starting 17 games this year. I think it's as free as a player prop can come this year. And Meerkat, I mean, and Ty, you guys touched on it. I don't need to say anything else. We love McCall Hartman this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's probably... Think about it. Mahomes is probably going to throw for over 5,000 yards. Yeah. Like he can have three receivers get to 1,000 yards. Oh, like yeah. that's entirely feasible. Like don't let that like make you shy away just because you think, oh, Tyreek Hill is getting 1,000. Travis Kelsey is getting 1,000. So what? There's still yards to be had, especially with Sammy Watkins going out of that offense. So they didn't that's, replace Sammy. That's the exactly. Nice thing. Yeah, they, they're I mean, comfortable with Mikko, and he has that big play potential. Mm -hmm. He's got game-breaking speed where he can take a bubble screen 80 yards to the house. Yep, yep. that's my Ab favorite thing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. He is such a game-breaking player, and hopefully we'll be getting a ton of yards out of him and cashing that bet early. Give me 100 per game the first seven, and we'll <laughs> cash it very, very early. Hopefully on that one, folks. Mark it in. But we're on to the haters. <laughs> When you think about the Raiders right now, you think about one thing, Derek Carr sucking and John Gruden's big-ass contract. How the hell did this man get this contract, and how the hell does he still have so much good faith from the organization? When you think about the past three coaches, you look at Tom Cable, Jack Del Rio, and John Gruden. Well, John Gruden's right in the middle of him um, in terms of win percentage, and that's only because he won his last game. <laughs> if not, he would have been in the very last place for win percentage out of all three of those coaches, and he is the only coach to get a fourth season out of all of them. He's only 19-29 in, uh, in his new stint with the Raiders, and they've been bad. And you think about uh, his his sort of pedigree it's on the defensive side of the ball you get rid of Khalil Mack right when you get there and he's like yeah we're gonna build a real defense with who how with what like what are you what defense are you building because you took over a defense that ranked 29th in the league that had six wins what have you done since then the 30th ranked defense with four wins the 31st ranked defense with seven wins and last year the 28th ranked defense you got to eight wins because you got a two point conversion, you know, at the end of the season in the game that nobody cared about. I don't know what John Gruden is going to do to turn this team around. I don't know how, how you have faith in this team in the long term if you're the Raiders, because when you look at the roster in 2017 and you compare it to now, I don't know if they're better off. 
Um, and you talk about just looking at their main weapons. Talk about the receivers. Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, Seth Roberts were your top three in 2017. Now you have Ruggs, John Brown, and Hunter Renfro? All pretty much, I mean, you got two unprovens and John Brown, who last season we know is dealing with a bunch of injuries. And this offensive line now with Colton Miller, Incognito over the hill, Andre James, Denzel Good, and a rookie, Alex Leatherwood, you're expecting to keep Derek Carr upright long enough to find some of these receivers who aren't necessarily proven guys to be able to get that separation to create plays offensively. So where do they expect this offense to come from? You go out and you add, you know, a a big name guy like Kenyon Drake, but guess what? He's at the running back position and you have Josh Jacobs and everyone's like, Oh yeah, Josh Jacobs, great running back. Eh, 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 Not so fast. And I don't know if that's necessarily because of him or more because of the bad offensive line. But last season there were only two running backs who had a worse yard per carry than him. If on running backs that had at least 125 rushing attempts, that was Todd Gurley, whose knee barely even bends. And Frank Gore, (laughs) Frank Gore is old enough to be our grandparents at this point, guys, and he's still playing football. And (laughs) Josh Jacobs was barely better than him yards per carry. And like I said, I think a lot of that's more from that offensive line. And, you know, they go out, get Alex Sutherwood in the first round. Great. You don't do much else. You lost a lot of the other guys that you went out and you spent big money for over the past few seasons. Uh, Trent Brown, gone. Like you, you thought you'd figured that position out, and that's not the case. Um, you, you bring in a lot of guys, but mostly on that defensive side to sure things up there. Uh, Mo Rig, a very interesting guy. I know Meerkat was very high on going into the draft because of his versatility, but he might not necessarily be like a big guy right away stepping in to a defense as a starter because of that. He might not have, you know, a, an immediate day one fit. And Malcolm Koontz, we all love Malcolm Koontz, great defensive end prospect. I think he could be a good guy there in Yannick Ngakwe. So they're going to try and get after the quarterback, especially adding Quentin Jefferson and Solomon Thomas on the inside as well. So I think that's going to be their plan this year defensively, trying to improve that defense. Is that defense going to be good enough? Um, Because their offense has sort of regressed to being a very average offense the past few seasons. The running game is gone because that offensive line has been abysmal. And I don't know if Derek Carr can carry him. With the rest of this division being as good as it is, I think I'm going to have to go with the under on their seven win total on this one, Meerkat. So I'm going to have to disagree with you here, Ty. I'm not disagreeing with a lot of the points you made, but I just think seven's a low number. And I think John Gruden, as a head coach, complete nutcase. I don't have (laughs) faith in him, but he has shown improvement his first two years, or the last two years with the Raiders so far. They've at least, you know, won more games in the previous year. And Derek Carr. Because that two point conversion. Yeah, but still, (laughs) still, it happened. Derek, Derek Carr. Not not as much like Kirk Cousins, but another guy who really gets shit on, who I think doesn't deserve as much of the shitting on. He's coming off his best year as a pro, and he was pretty good last year. His playmakers, you're right, are unproven, most of them, other than like John Brown and Renfro, who isn't bad. But I do really like Henry Ruggs. I really do like Brian Edwards, and they have the man, Darren Waller, the best tight end football in football. 
uh, behind Travis Kelsey, in my opinion. And I think they drafted well. Alex Leatherwood, a little bit of a reach on him from where I had him, but you brought it up. Trevon Morig is a guy who I had, I think, top 15 on my big board overall players. Just an absolute talent back there. Pair him with a Carl Joseph to help their secondary out a bit. Uh, do I love all the moves they made? No. Do I love uh, Gruden? No. But I think Derek Carr might be able to get something going. Uh, we'll see if the defense can carry him. Seven's just a low number, so I'm going over. Meerkat, you got that faith in John Gruden? Mm. Ugh. Ugh. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I don't that, like that. That's why I'm going to take the under. I don't have faith in Carr either. And if I don't have faith in the quarterback or the head coach, I don't like the team. And you touched on it, Ty. Their defense has been miserable since John Gruden's been there. So what makes it think all these new additions are going to help change that? They've tried this year after year after year, and it hasn't been the same. I really don't love the Raiders and the draft picks they've made, especially last year, too. I don't know how they justified taking rugs over CeeDee Lamb, but I won't get into that. I I think this under is pretty – not a lock, but I really like the under just because I think by, by far the worst team in this division, and the Broncos have a much better team than the Raiders. Their quarterback's, you know, shaky. The Chiefs are elite, and I really like the Chargers team that they built too. I don't like the Raiders. They have to play all those teams twice. I'm taking the under. But I will take an over for my prop, and it's Darren Waller. Meerkat, you talked about him. I love Darren Waller this year. I love him for fantasy. I love him in real life. He has been an elite tight end since he's gotten the chance to be a full-time starter. His over is 1,050 and a half yards at minus 115. I think he absolutely smashes that. Last year, he had 146 targets and had 1,196 yards. He had 1,145 yards the year before. And he's the true number one option in this offense. We talked about how their receivers have a lot of question marks. We don't really know if Ruggs will make the jump a second year. John Brown, how's he going to you know, come back this year after dealing with injuries? Brian Edwards just hasn't had a lot of playing time, although he's got the talent. And then you have Renfro, who, you know, he's kind of a slot guy. I don't know if he can really be a reliable guy week to week. Darren Waller is going to be there week to week, and Derek Carr loves his tight ends. I think Derek Waller is going to get fed all the time in this game, and if their defense is as bad as I think their defense will be, the Raiders will be trailing, they'll be throwing, and you know, I call him check down Derek Carr. He loves to check <laughs> it down to this tight end when they're behind. Darren Waller over 1,050.5 I think is free. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. And when I'm looking at the Raiders, it just seems like Al Davis's ghost might still be calling all the shots for this team, Meerkat. When we're talking about that C.D. Lamb versus Henry Ruggs debate, yeah, Al Davis's ghost made that call. We all know that Mark Davis is going to seances or he's going uh, to some – gypsies or who knows he's getting that information but um you know looking at their you know out of division schedule they got the entire afc north going to be very tough all four of those games nfc east yeah, we all know how that division is it's <laughs> it's kind of a crapshoot on that one and then you got dolphins colts and bears all three very very good defenses at the very least so not going to be easy for the Raiders uh, to get wins. And that's why I'm also going with the Derek Carr under or over nine and a half interceptions this season. Um, the past two years, he had eight and then nine last year, an extra game this year, and a season where I feel like they're going to be pressing a lot because it's a make or break year for him. And I think John Gruden um, for this 
for this organization. If they don't figure things out here, it could be over for Derek Carr and if and possibly even both uh, him and Gruden. So we'll see how things play out, but I don't think it's going to be a great season for them. I think he's going to be forced into pressing in a lot of situations, trying to bring them back and get them back into some of the games here. And if that's the case, that interception total, book it with some of these secondaries he's going to have to face. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't hate that. Your reasoning makes a ton of sense and stuff. I do believe in Carr, but that's a pretty low number hit for him for sure. So that's a good play right there. But I'm I'm playing the same play as Stevie. I got Waller over 10, 50 and a half yard, uh, receiving yards this year. I wanted a Brian Edwards over prop. They just don't have one. So I had to settle for this. But I, I mean, I don't see Waller really regressing this year. I like Derek Carr. I think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot with that offense. Waller is their number one target, who Derek Carr trusts the most, throws to the most, and is involved in the offense the most. He was in uh, had an 80% usage rate on passing plays last year in one-score games. And what do you know? Raiders played nine one-score games, so they used him and trusted him a lot. Uh, he's shown progression each of the last two years. I'm not saying he progresses much this year, but I don't think he regresses down to 1050. I think he's a lock for 1100 yards this year. So I have all over Waller over. Yeah, I think they're going to have to keep throwing a lot because of some of the things I said about Josh Jacobs mm. and also Derek Carr, very efficient passer on first down, um, 8.3 yards per attempt, which is very, very good. Um, about 0.7 yards above the league average and a 57% success rate, which was above league average. So um, if you're looking at, you know, some of the more advanced numbers, the way you should be, that's something you should be going to more. So we'll see about that, but on to another team with a lot of very interesting quarterback stuff, the Los Angeles chargers. Did Justin Herbert get his flow back? <laughs> did Justin Herbert get his flow back? He did. He's looking good heading into this year. <laughs> and, you know, the Chargers overall are looking pretty new and could, you know, they have a new head coach with Brandon Staley. They plucked him from the Sean McVay coaching tree. Now the Rams former defensive coordinator, because their biggest worry with the Chargers last year was their defense. And, Anthony Lynn, as much as I loved him coming out of Buffalo after being an assistant here and the stuff he did, great guy and all that, uh, he lit the Chargers on fire with some of the decisions he made. So a whole new coaching staff should be refreshing for them. You have Joe Lombardi coming from New Orleans, who has been working with Drew Brees for a while, to now work with Justin Herbert. Is that his next protege? I have a lot of faith in Herbert, and you look at the moves the Chargers made this offseason. I think this is a team who drafted very well. It hit extremely well with big value on their first two picks, getting Rashawn Slater, who is, might be the best offensive tackle out of this draft, if not the second best, to shore up that offensive line for Justin Herbert. Sante Samuel Jr. in the second round there is a good pick, a guy a lot of people wanted the Bills to take at 30. They got it 47 there to help their secondary to pair with a guy like Derwin James back there. Josh Palmer's an okay pick, but Trey McKitty is a guy to watch out for at tight end. They lost Hunter Henry. They have Donald Parham, and they signed Jared Cook, which is a nice veteran signing. But Trey McKitty is an athletic guy who can block. And with the way they use tight ends there, Justin Herbert might have a new safety blanket. And I brought up Rashawn Slater being a huge addition to that offensive line. They also paid up for Matt Fiedler this offseason. 
to go on their offensive line and got Corey Wins uh Lindsley for their center position. So this whole offensive line is looking new and improved to keep Justin Herbert safe because Justin Herbert was incredible last year. He broke records as a rookie, the third worst line in football, an incompetent coach, and at being the second most pressured quarterback in the league. So I love all the moves the Chargers have made this offseason from revamping their front office down to the roster and getting Justin Herbert the weapons he needs to succeed and putting him in a position to win a lot of games for this Chargers team. Uh Brandon Staley, you know, I brought him up coming in. He was a guy who was huge for that Los Angeles Rams defense, which has been incredible the past few years. I'm sure Stevie can attest to that. And now you're giving him some guys like Derwin James and Joey Bosa and some young stars on his defense. I think they can make some noise. And their over-under is being set at nine and a half this year. It's kind of a big number for a team who finished seven and nine last year, third in the division. But people are putting a lot of stock into Justin Herbert here, and so am I this year. I believe in this kid. He's incredible. I think his situation is that much better right now heading into this season with competent coaching, a new offensive line, all of that. I just want to see this guy succeed. He seems like a good kid. He killed it last year. More good quarterbacks in football means more good football for us to watch. So I am riding with him, going over, taking the value. (laughs) Nine and a half in a tough AFC West. Yeah, Meerkat, it sounds like you got a lot of Justin Herbert cards. I do, I do. But <laughs> but I do I do like the Chargers. Chargers have always been my non-Bills team. I've always liked because of the powder blues back when I was a kid. Yeah. Ladanian Tomlinson rocking those things, rushing for the visor. 100 yards. The visor. It was the, visor. It, it, it was the me, most it was beautiful the thing in football, and I just – so I, they got a soft spot in my heart. No, absolutely. And I, I'm kind of right there with you looking at this Chargers team, um, you know, as a whole. They would have had a bunch more wins last year if it weren't for a lot of boneheaded decisions from the coaching staff. But I think your team and your players should take a lot away from that. Like, if you're Justin Herbert, you should know when to take a timeout on your own now if your coach isn't calling it. And if he doesn't call it, call it and go to the sideline and tell him he's a knucklehead and tell him to go read a book. Like you should know these things at this level um, as an NFL coach, but I got to give a shout out to the chargers general manager, Tom Telesco, a St. Francis graduate, absolute genius. The way he's uh, assembling this roster, tons, tons of weapons on that defense. They're going to get after you all day long. And we've seen what's the key to success defensively against the best offenses, getting, to the quarterback they're going to be able to do that that's why i expect them to get a little bit more wins than a lot of people think i know this nine and a half is going to catch some people by surprise and that's why you're still going to catch some plus value on that over at plus 115 give it to me i think they're the second best team in this division it looks like we're on the same page for the AFC West this year because I love the Chargers. I think Justin Herbert is very special, and he wowed me last year. I thought he was going to be okay. But his but first I had, game. I, his first game it was nuts. one of where you watch it and you're like, oh, this guy's going to be a star just right away. It's one of those type of players. And, Mirka, you touched on it. They added to the offensive line to protect him and to help where they were lacking last year. Not to mention, too, we talk about you know coaches – 
they had addition by subtraction, getting rid of Anthony Lynn. He cost them so many games when he was the head coach there, and now they bring in Brandon Staley, and I love Staley. And this is not Rams bias. I am not a believer that if you shake Sean McVay's hand, you're going to be a good coach. <laughs> I, I hate that, you know, thinking. But Staley was special, and he really helped the Rams' defense overachieve last year. I think where a lot of young players who didn't have a lot of experience, Staley coached them up. I think he can do the same for the Chargers. And they have two of the most underrated weapons on the offensive side of the ball in Keenan Allen and who I'm going to talk about for my prop, Austin Eckler. Keenan Allen, he can catch everything. He's one of the best route runners in the NFL. And Austin Eckler, a lot of people say, oh, he can't be a workhorse back. He's injury prone. He only got hurt last year and he was out for a little bit. But when he came back, he was just as good as he was before. And his prop right now over rushing and receiving is 1,375 yards. I love the over there. He averaged 93 yards a game last year. That comes out to 1,586 over a 17-game season. But what's more important is when he came back from his injury, he was still averaging 90 yards a game in the six games he returned from. Justin Herbert and Eckler had a connection that you could see click right away. And not only is he going to be running the ball behind this offensive line that got a lot better, but he is one of, if not the best, pass-catching running back in the NFL. He's going to get a ton of targets. He's He's going to get carries. Austin Eckler is going to be a big focal point of this offense. I think if the Chargers are going to be good and you believe in Herbert, then it just pairs in with what you expect Austin Eckler to do. And I don't believe in any other other backs on the Chargers. We saw Josh Kelly get a shot last year. He was terrible. Justin Jackson's always just going to be that guy they plug in when they need him, but he's never going to threaten Eckler for the job. If he's healthy, he's going to be one of the best running backs in football this year. I love his over-rushing receiving at 1375 and a half. And I love the over for the Chargers. I can't believe it's at plus money, but I think this is a double-digit win team. Yeah, I, I really like this Chargers team this year. Just everything mm -hmm. they did, I think they're going to be back to a little bit of glory pre-Anthony Lynn era. And they just lose a lot of one-score games, too. You look yeah. at the past two years, it's insane. Between Justin Herbert and Phillip Rivers, how you lose that many one-score games is stupid. But I'm going with another over-prop, and it's Justin Herbert over 28-and-a-half passing touchdowns. That seems like free money to me. I mean – Fuck a sophomore slump. He was absolutely incredible this year. His supporting cast is now improved. His coach is better. I mean, he gets two extra games from what he did last year when he threw 31 touchdowns as a rookie. Yeah, I'll take the over uh, 28 and a half at minus 120. It's a good value there. He only had one game last year. He didn't throw a touchdown and four where he didn't throw multiple touchdowns. So, I'm all over that. He has his wide receivers intact other than tight end, but he has some new exciting weapons there. So he's got comfortability. He's got a new offensive line to protect him. I'm all in on Justin Herbert in more ways than one this year. As am I, and I'm going with Justin Herbert for the most passing yards in the Ooh. NFL this year, 14 to one. Hear me out on this one. He threw for 289 yards per game last year. More than Aaron Rodgers. What did Aaron Rodgers do? We all know what he won. Look at it. If he has, to, he's going to be on a team that's more than likely going to have to play. He's not going to get rested here at the end of the season the way Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers or Josh Allen are are probably going to. If you give me that extra game or two, the way that he can throw the ball and light things up, and the way he's shown shown it, sign me up all day. 
He's going to be tossing for a ton of yards this season. Um, last season, I think if he would have played the full 16, he would have ranked uh, like third. So, yeah, <laughs> sign me up for that if he wins it, 14-1. to 1. It's just when you're looking at it, you're just looking for where's the value when he's uh, the eighth, I think the eighth uh, biggest long shot there. I'm going with Justin Herbert on that one. But it's time, boys, to get headed over to the NFC with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Meerkat, what do you got? So the Cardinals this year, when you look at what they did with their additions, you look at the draft. Zayvon Collins there, a bit of a head-scratcher at 16. I think there was better options on the board, but they needed to help that front seven. So taking Zayvon Collins is a decent move there. Then Rondell Moore, 49, not a bad pick. I like Rondell Moore a lot, but did they really need him? Was there other things they could have addressed here? Yeah, you want to get younger at different positions than receiver right now. And then they'd have another pick till Marco Wilson at 136. Not great to not have that many picks, but you need to inject some youth into this roster because you look at what they lost this offseason. They lost a lot. They lost guys like Hassan Reddick. They lost Patrick Peterson, who's been a Cardinal since I think I was born. I mean, Kenyon Drake, Drake Kirkpatrick. They lost a lot of names this year and a lot of guys who contributed to this team. And what do they do? They overpay for J.J. Watt, who's old. They trade for Rodney Hudson, who's great but old. They sign overpay and sign A.J. Green, who's old. Malcolm Butler, they, they're they trusting to be, you know, their CB1, I believe, heading into the season. James he's old. Conner, he, he's old. <laughs> James Conner. Washed up. Injury. Washed up already. Malcolm Butler is super washed we know up. How, we, we know how Brian Winters is doing for us. So this is a team who was old, lost a lot of key pieces, and just got older didn't have enough draft capital, and I don't know if they're doing enough for Kyler Murray. Honestly, I think Cliff Kingsbury is heading onto the hot seat uh, into his third season right now. He's got to do something. He's got Kyler Murray and a ton of money invested in this team. His plan's got to work out sooner or later, and you look at them. They're set at an over-under of 8.5 this year. After going 8-8, eight and eight, third in the division last year, with, you know, Kyler, they started out 5-2. and two. They looked incredible. Then Kyler got a bit of a shoulder injury that was flaring up throughout the year. Finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Not the finish you want at all after 5-2. and two, But it happened, and it showed a lot of glaring weaknesses on this team that I don't think they fixed this offseason. I don't see them getting more than three wins in their own division this year unless they get some magic from Kyler Murray. They have the ninth toughest schedule and their secondary is a huge weakness, especially facing the sixth hardest def- uh, 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 schedule in terms of passing offenses this year. It's a miracle, too. Kyler hasn't missed games. He had that injury and played through it, and his play obviously suffered. His running totals suffered when he runs 20 times a game. The Cardinals are winning. He is the highest rushing EPA in the NFL last year for the uh, through the first nine weeks at a much higher clip than like a Derrick Henry. And so when he runs a lot, it gives them success. But should he be running a lot when he's going to get injured? Their offensive line's not great. Everyone else around him is old. I'm not so sure. So I'm going with the under here. I think they're right at about eight wins. So I'm leaning with the under. I'm fading the Cardinals this season. 
Yeah, I'm I'm fading them for pretty much the same reasons, Meerkat. And looking at their schedule overall, they're going to have to play the uh, NFC North, a ton of tough defenses in that mix there, plus the Browns, the Cowboys, the Panthers, tons of tough defenses. And when you're looking at you know what sort of the Cardinals' struggle was, if you get after Kyler Murray and don't let him run, what's he going to do? He's going to try to beat you with his arm, but the rest of the offense is so inefficient. They weren't getting guys open in the passing game. It's going to cause you lots of issues offensively. You're not going to be able to put up big points to win, especially when um, looking at the defense. Like I don't, it's sort of a run-of-the-mill defense, and like you said, I don't think they've plugged those holes the proper way. Um, I'm going to have to go with the under in this one, and in, in one of the toughest divisions in all of football, Steve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're on the same page again because I'm also taking the under. The Cardinals, to me, I think they're the worst team in the NFC West. The reason they finished third last year is partly because the 49ers were so banged up with injuries. But I just don't trust Cliff Kingsbury at all as an NFL head coach. I never understood the hiring. I never understood the buzz around him. He had a losing record at Texas Tech with Mahomes and Baker Mayfield as his quarterbacks while he was the head coach there. He still had a losing record. I don't care if they don't play defense in the Big 12. Win games with those two guys. And he gets here and he just makes a lot of questionable decisions. I think Kyler Murray is a good quarterback. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is a great receiver. But there's just too many question marks on this team. And they just signed a lot of veterans. It felt like that you would sign if it's your last year and you're going for a Super Bowl. You shouldn't be signing Mm. these type of guys if you're the Cardinals because I don't think you're the best team in the division. And I think they're a few years away and they're signing guys whose best years are past them. Like AJ Green and JJ Watt will never play at the level that they played at Rodney Hudson, same thing. So I love the under for the Cardinals this year and Kyler Murray. He is a very good quarterback, but he's also a very good running quarterback. And I'm just going to take the over rushing yards as my prop for Kyler Murray. It's over 680 and a half rushing yards at minus 115. He ran for 819 yards last year and he averaged 6.2 yards a carry. He's a very efficient runner. And that's the big thing with Kyler Murray. He, he doesn't have to run 15, 20 times a game to hit that number. He can hit it only scrambling, you know, five to 10 times per game because he gets those big chunk scrambles. And you have seen like later on in the year, a lot of times he would get those later on in the game where maybe they were down a score or two and they needed to drive down the field. And, you know, you send your receivers deep and Murray rolls out and there's a 20-yard scamper because they're playing prevent defense. I think it's pretty pretty good value because if you look at Lamar Jackson, his rushing prop is 945 and a half yards. You're getting almost 300 less for Kyler Murray, who may not be as good of a runner as Lamar Jackson, but he's one of the best rushing quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't trust the Cardinals' offensive line. I don't trust their defense, and I don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. I think Kyler Murray is going to have to improvise a lot on his own if they want to be good, if they want to drive the ball down the field, and that'll turn into a lot of rushes. So I'm taking over 680 and a half rushing yards, and I'm taking the under eight and a half. And while he's running around, I hope he throws a lot of interceptions. That's why I'm going with the over 11 and a half interceptions on Kyler Murray through 12 last year for most guys. Accuracy is not improved all that much, especially when you do as much running around as Kyler Murray. It's just impossible to be accurate on a consistent basis when you're going to try and run and throw as much as he has been forced to do with the Cardinals. And they haven't really figured that out just by adding A.J. Green, who's a bit over the hill, Meerkat, 
Where's your player prop? I'm going with another over for rushing yards. Uh, what was Kyler? 680 and a half. 680 and a half. So I'm going with Chase Edmonds over his a 690 and a half. Uh, it's another kind of going out on a limb. It's even money, but I trust my gut here. I like Chase Edmonds a lot, and so does this Cardinals coaching staff. Whether we like Cliff Kingsbury or not, he likes Chase Edmonds, and he's his coach. Right now through training camp, he's looked great. James Conner, not so much. He's already you know, had a bit of an injury he's dealt with. They're saying it's a 1A, 1B situation, but they call Chase Edmonds the 1A. I think he's primed for a ton of carries. Last year, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry on less than 100 carries. But now there's 240 carries that are freed up from Kenyon Drake leaving. I don't think Kyler's going to increase his carry amount that much more from what it was last year, even though he was dealing with that injury. If you gave him... 53 more carries in a 16-game schedule at what he averaged last year. He's breaking this prop. Now you give him an extra game, he's fine. I like Chase Edmonds over even money this year. Yep, and I see Stevie down there drinking his water, getting ready, because we all know he's about to give us a full speech. Meerkat, if you want to pull yourself out and go, you know, maybe take a nap, go take a pee, do whatever you got to do. Because Stevie's going to be talking about the Rams for the next hour or so, probably, I'm sure. But it's time to talk about the Rams. Yes, I'm wearing a Rams shirt. Isn't it beautiful? Back when they're in in St. Louis, thrifted, just a beautiful shirt, and the gold still glistens. If only they were still wearing gold, but now there's like three different shades of yellow. And uh, their helmets don't match their jerseys, but they're getting close, Steve. They're getting they're, they're getting, getting this year. Yeah. They're taking the steps they need, hopefully, <laughs> at least to match on the field. Can they uh, match their defensive performance with some good offensive performance and find themselves back in the Super Bowl contention? Well, that's the big thing, and I'm going to try to keep this as short as I can because I could ramble on this for hours. But the Rams lost more than I think almost any team in football on one side of the football. On the defensive side, they lost a lot of talent. Just to go down the list, they lost Troy Hill, who was their number two corner last year. They lost John Johnson. They lost Samson Ebukam, Morgan Fox. All these guys had roles. And then on the offensive side, they lost Josh Reynolds, Gerald Everett, Malcolm Brown. Austin Blythe, they all lost Michael Brockers on the defensive side. They lost a ton, but they made an upgrade at the most important position in football. Sean McVay clearly said, I want my guy at quarterback, and he went out, and they traded two first-round picks, and they got Matt Stafford instead of Jared Goff. And that's a big that's a big deal. The Rams have shown year after year they just don't care about the NFL draft. They're like, we'll take our guys we want in the third, fourth rounds. We're going to trade multiple picks to get our guy. They did it with the Jaguars to get Jalen Ramsey, and that has worked out wonderfully. And the addition of Jalen Ramsey really helped their defense last year. They were Slot corner Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) I don't even want to hear that. They were top three in defensive and uh, run defense and pass defense efficiency. It was one of the best defensive seasons we have seen from a defense that no one really expected to be that good. And a lot of credit goes to Brandon Staley, who was a big-time loss as the coordinator. And they had a lot of young players that played really, 
really, really good roles. That's what I kind of am kind of hopeful about that they continue. I mean, you, you start off with the Rams. You have Darius Williams, who was probably their best corner last year, not named Jalen Ramsey. He had a couple of huge interceptions. He was all over the field making tackles. Terrell Lewis is going to have to take a big step this year because he didn't have a role. But he's going into Samson Epicum's role out on the opposite side of Leonard Floyd, who played really well last year as another pass rusher. And then you got Mika Kaiser, who looked like one of the best new linebackers last year before he got hurt. And he he was on 145 tackle pace all over the field, was consistently getting tackles for loss, passes, deflections. And their best guy last year, probably Jordan Fuller out of Ohio State, playing the role as a safety. He can also play as a nickel corner. Jordan Fuller, I think he had four picks or three picks last year, 60-some-odd tackles all over the field. Did they play up because of Staley, or were these guys just that talented and the Rams kind of struck gold with these young players no one really talked about going into the season? The Rams for the past couple of years had always been a team that, you know, Vegas was a little bit lower on, or the public in general was just lower on than how they've performed. And a lot of that was because they, you know, they don't believe in Jared Goff. Well, Jared Goff is gone now, and in comes Matt Stafford, who – Everyone has said he just is has the worst situation in Detroit. He's an elite quarterback. He has no help. And this year, Stafford gets an offensive genius. Yeah, I'm calling him a genius. And Sean McVay. And he's got the best weapons around him with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. They added Deshaun Jackson. They also drafted Tutu Atwell, who can be a speedy guy, have a role in the slot. And then Van Jefferson from last year, who showed glimpses of being a reliable number three receiver. They just didn't use him too much. The over's 10 and a half. It's at plus money, plus 120. I'm the Rams fan, so I'm taking the over. I'm not too, too concerned about the defense. Yes, I think they will regress a little bit. I think you have to regress. I don't think you can you know, sustain that good of a pass defense and a rush defense. But let's not forget, they have the two best defenders in football with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald, we've seen him get triple teamed. We've seen him get quadruple teamed. He still leads the NFL in pressures. Mm -hmm. He is an absolute freak. And then Jalen Ramsey, his shutdown, every receiver he's gone up against, he didn't allow any of the number one receivers to torch him last year. Yeah, Bills fans would be like, oh, Stephon Diggs scored a touchdown on him last year. I know. That was his only catch. DK Metcalf, shut him down completely. Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins in two games, never got over 60 yards. He is that good. And I think Darius Williams will step in as the number two corner and the defense will be all right. But I'm taking the over because I believe in Matt Stafford. I was hesitant at first. I thought they gave up a lot for an older quarterback, but they wants his guy and Stafford is good under pressure. He's good when he has to improvise. And that's something Jared Goff was not good at. Everyone figured out Jared Goff. They figured him out last year. Like, oh, we just got to blitz him. He doesn't know what to do because he's an accurate thrower in a clean pocket. You put him under pressure. He looks yep. like a, a peewee football player. So they're getting the big man Stafford. I love the offense he has around him, and I do trust this defense or the young players on the defense to play not as well as they did last year, but play well enough to get the Rams to 11 wins. Yeah, and I think I'm going to be taking the over on this for solely one reason, and that's one reason only, because if you wear an Aaron Donald jersey, you can take on the world. I saw a man in an Aaron Donald jersey bitch slap three people at the same <laughs> exact time. He may have gotten his ass kicked and punched literally 
Yeah. But he still survived and was still talking shit afterwards. But yeah, you you hit on it perfectly talking about what happened with some of that offense there with Jared Goff. They really figured it out. They started blitzing him. And when you think about it, oh, what are you? How are they going to keep blitzing the play action? Well, no one was scared of their rushing game. No one's they been did. scared of their rushing game since Todd right. Gurley got hurt and has been gone. Um, you got to hope Cam Makers can take that step forward. Well, Daryl Henderson's not hurt. scary. Cam Akers is out for the year. That's that, that's the big thing. I think they don't have a great rushing game, but Stafford is good enough to overcome that. Goff isn't. When Goff was under pressure, he just he lost it, and teams didn't bite on play action. I think they actually will with Matt Stafford because he can make those throws on the run over the top. Yeah, he's had to make those throws under <laughs> pressure for a long time in Detroit. So, yeah, um, that's obviously a great point. But, yeah, it, tons of great weapons probably um, – I don't know about the best he's ever had because he's had a few years in Detroit where he did well, he, have, you know, some deep weapons, but right. with, with the combination of uh, Sean McVay and the weapons, I think yeah. he's in the best situation offensively he's ever been in meerkat. What do you think? Are you on the over or under on this one? I'm on the over. I'm taking the value there at plus 120. I don't like the Rams in general, but I love Matthew Stafford. I always have. I'm so happy he is out of that hellhole in Detroit. He finally has a competent coach. He finally has a decent roster. Not a decent, a good roster around him. That, you know, Sean McVay doesn't have to baby Matt Stafford like he did Jared Goff. Now Sean McVay, I think, is going to really let it loose. You're going to get the most out of these receivers. A guy you brought up and Jefferson, I actually really like this year as a sleeper type guy who no odds for him on anything, but this defense has lost some pieces. I still oh, yeah. think they're going to be great, even losing, you know, their defensive coordinator. We talked about that earlier, but I, I think they're I think they're going to be fine. There's no way they finish second in games lost again because of COVID and injury like they did last year. I know the Acres injury isn't a good sign of that, no. <laughs> but it's hard for a team to be that unlucky, that plagued two years in a row. They were great last year, and I think they got way better with Matthew Stafford. They're an actual contender now, not a team who is going to get you 10-11 wins and then squeak into the playoffs and not do much, right. but – now you got Matthew Stafford. I think these guys are dangerous, and I'm going with another over for my prop. A bit of a weird one. I think maybe my only defensive one of the day. I'm going with Leonard Floyd over seven and a half sacks. I think that's a crazy low number for a guy who, kind of like Matt Stafford being trapped, he was trapped in Chicago. He had a good rookie year. I loved him coming out. He was like the year I started getting into the whole draft process, I believe, 16. Um, that number might be off a year or two. But he, he was incredible uh, as a prospect, super athletic, looked good as a rookie, and then just started getting misused, not getting the snaps he deserves and stuff. Comes to L.A. last year, has 10.5 sacks. I don't see him regressing this year. I think 7.5 sacks at even money to take that over is incredible value and a really low number for a guy who is already you know getting rave reviews out of training camp this year following last year. Oh, yeah. What are you seeing over there, Stevie? What's your player prop? 
Oh, well, I'm just going to keep sipping the juice. Matthew Stafford over <laughs> 28 and a half touchdowns. I mean, you know, say what you want about Jared Goff. He still averaged 25 and a half touchdowns per season in his four full seasons with McVay. Stafford averaged 27.1 in his nine seasons with Detroit with all the coaching changes, all the personnel changes. He's got the best combination, you know, best situation he's been in in his career. And the Rams running game is very suspect right now. I don't believe in Daryl Henderson as being a true workhorse number one back. I wish they had Cam Akers. That injury sucks. Xavier Jones could get some reps, you know, but they're gonna they're gonna pass the ball a lot this year. And McVay got his guy. He's going to open up the playbook. Nobody knows what to expect, but I know he's gonna use Stafford a lot. I think over 28 and a half touchdowns at minus 115 is free. Yep, I like that one there, Stevie. I love to see you drinking the Kool-Aid. Hopefully, it's actually Kool-Aid. <laughs> because you you know what happens on the other yeah. side, and hopefully Matt Stafford stays healthy and they keep him upright and have a rushing game this year. So Stevie is nice and happy with his <laughs> NFC team. But we got another team to hop over onto out there on the West Coast in California, and that's the San Francisco 49ers who are a team who is a bit of an enigma there. And for me, when you look at this team, you think about all the injuries they had last year. They had more injuries than any team out of anyone else in the NFL in 2020. And when uh, Kyle Shanahan has Jimmy G, he's been very good with the with the 49ers. They've been 24-9, 18-14-1 against the spread. But when he doesn't have Jimmy G... His teams are just 7-27, and 14-20 against the spread there in San Francisco. And uh, uh, what's going to happen, you know, this season here? Is Jimmy G going to be the starter? Is it going to be Trey Lance? Well, who the hell knows? But, like, let's look at the history here a little bit of Kyle Shanahan's quarterbacks that he's had. I mean, besides Jimmy G, he's had C.J. Beathard and Brian <laughs> Hoyer and Nick Mullins. And before that, um, as a coordinator, he's had Matt Ryan, actually good. And then Johnny Manziel, Connor Shaw, RG3, not at the beginning, Rex Grossman, Donovan McNabb over the hump, Kirk Cousins at the very beginning, John Beck, Matt Schaub, and Sage Rosenfels. So he's had three you know, like legitimate pro quarterbacks the entire time he's been a coordinator or higher. And his offenses have sucked besides two seasons. And in those two seasons, what happened? There are top four, top five offenses, and or uh, besides a, a year with Robert Griffin where he got hurt because they didn't end up making it. But uh, with Atlanta and with San Francisco, they made uh, the Super Bowl in both of those seasons with the top two offense. So he knows how to get it done. It's just can they figure it out this season? That remains to be seen. They do have the weapons here around Trey Lance, and you can look back and see from um, even with Jimmy Garoppolo's performances, um, a lot of his receivers were getting open. He just wasn't hitting them. Jimmy Garoppolo was actually first in expected uh, completion percentage last year, but was actually only 38th in completion percentage over expectation, which actually ranks um, how 
your, the difference between your expected and actual uh, completion percentage. So he was that much worse than expected. He was supposed to be the best quarterback by expected because of all the throws he had. He was getting great opportunities to make plays, and he just wasn't making them. So whether we see Trey Lance in here to start or not, that's going to be the biggest thing for me with this 49ers team because Shanahan's shown he could win with or without Jimmy, yeah. but the things Trey Lance, I think, can do can really take this offense from just good to great because of the receivers that he has, especially the youngsters in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. I think they're building this team the right way. It's just, is Trey Lance the right guy? And when it comes down to that, with a win total as high it is as it is, not knowing if he's going to start right away, I think I have to leave the un, lean the under because I think that having the same win total as the Rams, I think the Rams are a little bit of a better team than the 49ers. So I'm leaning the under here on this one. Stevie, what's your gut feeling on this? Well, the 49ers are definitely the team that scares me the most in the NFC West because if Trey Lance is, you know, as good as people believe he could be, then this is a dangerous team. They have three weapons in Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk that are all very tough to cover. They are very quick. They are very elusive. And George Kittle, when healthy, is, you know, as good as Travis Kelsey. And that was the big thing last year. Debo Samuel and George Kittle only played together in four games. They're, if they're healthy for the full year, this offense is significantly better. And they're a run first type of offense, you know, behind a good scheme, a good line. They drafted Trey Sermon out of Ohio State, who I loved in college. He's going to be a very good back to go with Raheem Mostert, who's got breakaway speed this offense scares me I am concerned a little bit about the defensive end just because they lost their coordinator Robert Sala kind of like the Rams lost Staley they lost yep. Sala to the Jets and we'll see how the defense adjusts to that 10 and a half is a lot I think they're the second best team but I think they're right at 10 I'm going to take the under as well and I'm also taking an under in my player prop and it's Brandon Ayuk under 875 and a half receiving yards the big reason for this everyone's talking about a breakout with him I think he's the third best you know receiver type weapon in this offense I think Kittle and Debo are both much better than him he had 748 yards last year in 12 games so he would be on pace to hit the over there but in the four Four games when Debo and Kittle both played, he had 18, 44, 12, and 115 yards. And the 115 was in the game Debo left mid-game for an injury. That still comes out to just 803 yards over a 17-game season, which would hit the under. And I just think he's going to be the third option. I think George Kittle's going to have the most targets by a landslide. And Debo, when healthy, is a legitimate number one receiver, in my opinion. He torched the Rams last year, so I may be a little biased on that. But when I've watched Debo when he's healthy, he looks like his, you know, the sky's the limit for him. I like the under for both, but I'm also terrified that the 49ers could win this division. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not scared about the 49ers making noise in the division. I think they're the worst team in the division and they're wow. going to finish last this wow. year. I'm taking the under. I think 10.5 is a ridiculous number for this team with either Jimmy Garoppolo, who is bleh at this yeah. point and can't <laughs> stay healthy, or Trey Lance, who I loved coming into this draft process, you know, evaluating him and everything. He's not ready to start. 
He is not ready to start. And you saw in that preseason game, he got an 80-yard touchdown. Sure, that really wasn't because of him. And other than that, he he looked rough other than that. I love him as a project guy. I don't think – I think this is a buffer year. I like how this roster is constructed. A lot of good young pieces, guys locked down. But I don't think this is the year for them at all. The the QB situation, it makes me uneasy. I think this is a six, maybe seven win team, maybe. Um, but you know, losing Salah for that defense is huge. This defense is solid. Don't get me wrong, but Salah is a mastermind. There's a reason he got a head coaching job. Scares me having him in the AFC East now. I think that's a huge hit to them. I think this number is crazy. Um, I don't. I don't. This is the only number that I didn't really be like. Oh, I understand that throughout the whole mm-hmm. process. Maybe it's just me. Um, you know, last year the bad with turnovers, bad with injuries. It's like they're cursed with injuries. But I'm I'm fading you there, kind of against TV on my prop there. I'm going Ayuk over 875 okay. and a half receiving yards. Uh-oh. Last year, loved Ayuk coming out. Thought he had a good fit in San Fran. And what does he do with a complete revolving door at quarterback as a rookie receiver last year? He puts up 748 yards, gets 96 targets as a rookie. Played that wide receiver one role for them. You know, he had the highest usage rates among all receivers over the course of the whole season um, when he was healthy. And as long as he stays healthy, I think he breaks this number. I love Devo, don't get me wrong. And I love Kittle, but both guys that can get injured. Now, I missed four games last year, so I, I even having all caps here. Please stay healthy. Um, <laughs> and Devo's great, but I think with Devo, um, is going to draw some attention away from. I think they love Ayuk. What he did last year just as a rookie in the situation he was thrust into was extremely impressive. He looked very good in a lot of times. Uh, So I am trusting in Brandon Ayuk this year. I'm trusting in Brandon Ayuk as well, but a little bit different here. But I'm going to be double dipping. Brandon Ayuk over five and a half tutties, minus 130, and Debo Samuel over four and a half tutties. Minus 140. I don't care about laying some juice on that because those numbers are so low. Brandon Ayuk, five touchdowns last year. I think that should improve, especially if we end up seeing Trey Lance at quarterback just because he's a little bit more of a playmaker. Jimmy was missing easy throws. And it's not that we saw a large amount of drop passes from 49ers receivers. Jimmy was missing throws. If you can get someone that can hit these guys – I think the sky is the absolute limit for Debo and Brandon Ayuk. They could be an incredible force as receivers, but this number being as low as it is, you saw Gabriel Davis have seven receiving touchdowns as a rookie for the Bills in that offense last year. If you end up having a prolific offense, that four and a half and that five and a half are absolutely laughable numbers, and that's why we're going to move on from there on to the Seattle Seahawks. So the Seahawks coming off a 12 and 4 season where they won the division started out, you know, a bit shaky having to shoot out opponents last year cuz their defense was so bad. And then coming into this offseason, they don't have a lot of draft capital, which is always scary for a team like this that's getting a bit older, doesn't make any monster free agent additions, I guess you can say, and things like that. But the picks they did make were solid ones. I do like Trey Brown as a nice steal there, a guy I think is going to get a decent amount of playing at time 
right off the rip in the secondary. And then Dwayne Eskridge, who's a guy who fits perfectly as Russell Wilson's archetype receiver, just a speedy yards after the catch guy who can create separation. He's going to be out there right across from Metcalf with Lockett in the slot, most likely in their air raid offense that now you get Gerald Everett, which is going to be one of the best free agent signings when all is said and done of this offseason, I believe. We talked about it in fantasy, took him away from Stevie's Rams there. Now he gets a real quarterback. Uh, and, you know, Akello Weatherspoon, another underrated guy who they threw some money at to get him here this offseason to help out that shaky secondary that, you know, has some losses there. Bringing Eldon Smith to a sneaky under a lot of underrated moves here. I think the Seahawks made not big splashy ones or anything, but ones they kind of needed to do. And they're heading into this season. You look at the key number there with an over under 10 wins, but the Seahawks have never won fewer than nine games in a season. Russell Wilson at quarterback. So heading into this year, I'm betting on the Seahawks over 10 wins at even money. I think the value is incredible. I'm not betting against Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, who are flat-out winners. You see the nine wins or more in nine straight seasons as well for them. Give them the extra game. I'll gamble on that extra game, you know, being the win they need to get this over and not a push. Uh, Last year, played in a lot of one-score games to uh, win eight and three in those, which just shows you Russell Wilson's going to do what has to be done to win. You saw at the beginning of the year the defense was historically bad. They were having to outshoot teams, just outscore them, which was working a little bit, but they improved from 20th in EPA per drop pack per co- uh, for co- opposing quarterbacks to ninth as the season started getting on. As you know, Jamal Adams started finding his role really in that defense, who they just extended as well as a nice offseason off move. So I think heading into this year, did they make moves to really make them a Super Bowl contender or anything like that? No, but they're still an absolutely explosive offense with question marks at defense that's coached. Whether you like Pete Carroll or not, he's a winner, and he coaches his team very well. So I'm taking that over 10, basically just betting on Russell Wilson here, who has no reason for us to doubt him right now. Yeah, Meerkat, I'm right with you. I think, you know, I'd be foolish not to take the over on the Seahawks. They've had double-digit wins in eight of the past nine years. And although Russell Wilson had, you know, a couple games last year where he didn't look too good, I'll believe it when I see it over a full season. He's one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL, and Pete Carroll is a very good head coach. When you have an elite quarterback with a very good head coach, you're going to win a lot of football games. It really doesn't matter what else you have around you. And Bobby Wagner on the defensive side, one of the best linebackers in football, one of the best defensive players in all of football. He carries that defense, it seems like, every year. Their defense is going to be a little bit better than last year. And they have in what I think could be the best receiver in football in a few years in DK Metcalf. That's where my player prop is coming to. I'm taking his over 1,255 and a half yards He's going to be the number one in Seattle. We saw how much of a jump he made from his rookie year. He had 129 targets last year, 1,303 receiving yards. His yards jumped up over 400 from his rookie year, and his catch rate jumped up by 6.4%. That was really one of the two big you know, criticisms of him coming out of college. He had a few drops, and his route running wasn't that great. He was running routes a lot sharper last year, and he was catching the ball a lot more efficiently. 
the sky's the limit for him. He's six foot four, 230 pounds, and he runs as fast as anyone in football. He's, he's a complete mismatch. You can't guard him one-on-one. And we know Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL. It's a match made in heaven. I love the player prop. And I hate saying this, but I'm taking the over at even money. The Seahawks are another team that scares me. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but they're always there year after year. They always give the Rams good games. I think they're going to be right at the number. At worst, this pushes. I like the overtime. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the more interesting teams all around in the NFL when you're looking at trying to handicap how they're going to play because it's so, I think, um, so much of it is predicated on how well Russell Wilson plays this season. And it has been, you know, since he's really taken the helm and the Legion of Boom has dissipated over the past few few seasons, their run rate has gone from – 60% 60% to 50% down to 40% last season. They're continuing to trust him more and more with the ball early on and even just overall throwing. <laughs> like we've seen games where he's, you know, throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game, and that's a normal thing for him. And what did they find as their recipe for success? Getting to early leads. And they had 11 halftime leads last season, 12 wins. I believe it's like close to 80% of teams win if – you're winning at halftime. So they figured things out and that's the way a perfect recipe for success. Get out of the gate early. Let Russ throw the ball all over the yard, take a lead into half, make some adjustments and you can take care of the clock. Like you meerkat, you know, this from experience within football, like it's so much different when you're playing ahead from behind, especially when it's one score or more. Because once you get over one score, you're, there's so many variables that are starting to go around like, oh, we can go for two here or we can punt here or try and get the ball back or this or that. And if you're able to just eliminate all that and you're able to just play your game the entire time and sort of dictate all that, it's a very easy recipe to win. And if they can continue to do that under Pete Carroll, which is tough to bet against because – Russell Wilson's still there, and Russell Wilson is still at the top of his game. We saw him win games by himself over and over again last year. They hit a bit of a doldrum after a nice 5-0 and start last year, but they figured things out, and I think they're going to they're gonna do just enough to get to that 10-win mark, and you guys know me. I'm a value guy, so you're going to give me the plus money on the over. I got to hit the over. I'm, I got to go with the over on this one. Um I've been a Russell Wilson fan since he was in college. He's just he's just one of those guys who when you see him throw the ball, you're like, Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah, that's a quarterback. Yeah. Like that's the way it's yeah. supposed to be done. You, you want to bet on him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no one no one throws a touch pass better than him. Those the balls that just mm. float for fifty yeah. yards and just land perfectly. And, it, and on the move sometimes and you're just like yeah. <laughs> You could tell he yeah. played second base and shortstop. Like that's why yeah. I was looking at some of his receiver props. I like your Metcalf prop. If we mm-hmm. had a you know a Dwayne Eskridge prop, I'd love to take that. But I'm gonna go a different route with it. I'm gonna take another gamble on a player with some injury history to stay healthy because why not? With some value, give me Chris Carson over a thousand and a half rushing yards. 
Uh, Carlos Hyde's gone, who chewed up a lot of carries, a lot of touches last year, especially when, you know, he was hurt, but also when Carson was healthy. And this year he's got Rashad Penny behind him, who I'm not afraid of. DJ Dallas is a fun guy who was fun to rip in some DFS sleepers last year. But other than that, Hyde crushed this number in 18 and 19, and he's never played 16 games of the season. He did that in 14 and 15 games, crushing this number. I think he settles into the role as long as he's somewhat healthy this year. Give him give him 14 of those 17 games, 15 of them, and he crushes this number in my opinion. Yeah, and I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. Finally going to go with the defensive prop. I feel like Meerkat now. Bobby Wagner over 148 and a freaking half combined tackles. This man has gone over that number two of the last five seasons um, in 16-game seasons. And if you actually look at the numbers where he's gone under 138, 138, 133, one other game, he might have been there. And especially in the one where he was at 15, only played 15 games, was at 138. He was definitely hitting that over. So, um, I, I, you know, three of the last five, he would have been over that. Even in the 16 game season, give me an extra game. Bobby Wagner over on that perennial pro baller, one of the best overall linebackers in the entire NFL, and an extremely fun guy to watch. If you just ever decide to just, hey, I'm going to pick one guy to watch throughout a game which is a lot of fun to do sometimes just keying in on different positions rather than just trying to watch the play where the ball is going. You learn a lot about the game from doing that. And he's one of the absolute best at what he does. No, yeah, yeah no I'm doubt not, about it. No complaints there. Bobby Wagner has been the best linebacker football yeah. for a long time now. He's as consistent as they come. If he's on the field for 16 games he, or 17 games this year, he's hitting that over. Yep, absolutely. But that's going to wrap it up for us here, talking about the AFC and NFC West. We still have a few more weeks before the season, but don't worry. We're going to be back with a few more episodes each Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. to break down some of the best overall. Who's going to win the MVP? Who's going to win Rookie of the Year? We're going to get in deep down into the player props, into the nitty-gritty on those, and even – are uh, who's going to win each division? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? We got a, all our team actual props outside of you know just the individual team props that we're going to all have to go through, and I can't wait when we have to go up against the dart for that meerkat because the dart's been up and down lately. I think yeah. Oh, yeah. I finally think I might be better than the dart. <laughs> we'll have to see. We'll have to see. NFL season last year was big for him. We'll see how it goes this year. Sundays. Can't wait for those big full boards, just NFL plays. It's going to be beautiful. And going against him, I, I, I'm okay with it because the dart tortures me sometimes with the dart <laughs> of the day pick. So if I get a chance to beat him, I'm taking it. Absolutely. We're all going to take our chance at beating the dart, and you can too. Make sure when we do that, you guys all send in your picks. We'll put out some polls as well for who you guys think are going to win each division, and we'll see if – the public can beat the dart. We'll see how that goes because we know how the public is getting slaughtered weekly. And that's why they need to listen to free money football to get their chance at glory. So shout out again to meerkat Stevie for joining me. Make sure if you guys are watching over on YouTube, you give us a like and make sure you subscribe. If you're listening over on whatever platform, make sure you leave us 
a nice little, you know, five-star mm -hmm. review and comment. Help us uh, expand the brand a little bit. And make sure you go start getting these bets in because it's time to go get some free money. Good night now.